Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... that's a big reason why many of us don't enjoy our work because we don't see ourselves as servants and our master is Jesus I think that's the reason why a lot of us don't enjoy family and don't enjoy church we find ourselves instead fighting with our master over the place where he's put us over the job that he has given us to do over the fact that he probably routinely says to us you know you're really not the servant that you think you are As you listen to today's message, Pastor Jim wants us to be challenged to live out our commitments to God in the midst of heartache and troubles in life. He reminds us we're called to serve others, and when it becomes tedious to do so, we need to remember who it is that we really serve, our Master, Jesus Christ. People will let us down and take us for granted because the world sees servanthood as a sign of weakness. God sees it as a privileged position, demonstrated perfectly for us, through the obedience of our Lord, His Son. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 18, as we join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Joyful Servants. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. It says that the Apostle Paul was greatly annoyed. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> We'd like to think he'd be like, oh, do stop. But he's like, get out of here, get out of here. But instead, what does he do? He says to the demon, get out of her, get out of her. And the demon comes out and she becomes part of this early church. Now we think, oh, isn't this really wonderful? But did you notice what I remember what I said? I said that she brought her masters much money by fortune telling. What's up with the much money by fortune telling gig? It's done. Yeah, they just ruined their business. And so these guys go to the authorities, have Paul and Silas arrested, beaten without a trial, and thrown into jail. Chapter 16, verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. Isn't that amazing? Beaten, arrested without a trial, and they're having a church service in the jail. Not feeling sorry for themselves, probably telling the guys in the jail, hey, what are you in for? Oh, I'm glad you asked, right? And then just telling them about God. And it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. Then we're told there's an earthquake. The doors open. The guard who's in charge of the prison, he is petrified because if the prisoners escape, then they killed you. That was good deterrent, not to get the prisoners to escape. We covered that in the Gospel of Mark. And he thinks they're going to die. So he's just about to kill himself. And the apostle Paul yells, no, we're all here. Don't worry about it. So having experienced the earthquake, the terror of God, if you will, the fear for his life, was, was talking with somebody recently, the, one of the problems that we have is we don't think we're that bad until we talk about sin being self-centeredness and selfish, and then we're like, well, maybe I'm a little worse than I thought I was. And he says this, what must I do to be saved? And they said, go be a good person. No, that's not what they said. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe, trust, embrace, rely. Put your faith only in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
So the next day, the authorities find out some really bad news for them. They found out that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. You're not allowed to beat Roman citizens because so that, they're part of the Roman Empire, and they find out that they could be in a lot of trouble, and they're like, well, you can go. You know, no problemo, man. Sorry about that. Have a good day. So they tell them to leave town. Now, just imagine you come into a town. You don't find a church, right? You're looking for a church. You don't find a church. You meet some demon-possessed girl. The owners have you beaten. You get thrown out of jail, and they go, you can go. To me, I would be like, where's the next express train to anywhere? I want to be out of this place. So what do they do? They go to Lydia's house, the rich woman they met at the river, and what do they do? They start a church. They start a church. Now, we live in an age where people are generally now affiliating churches by age. Not really the best way to do it. What I love, I love is now finally the church is not as segregated based on color and ethnic group. I love that. That is the church of heaven. I always pray that we would be an ethnically diverse church. Uh, church, right? But now we start a lot of churches based where everybody's kind of the same. That's sort of a big popular church model that's out there. But just look at the Philippian church. Imagine you're sitting there in the Philippian church. There's the Apostle Paul, right, with his buddy Silas. The Apostle Paul is the church hater, now church lover. He's got Timothy there, and who's a church kid, really, and he's there. They've got Dr. Luke there. He's like, Paul, you can't keep preaching. I mean, they, they beat you silly. What are you doing? Then they have this rich lady named Lydia. We'll see that they have the jailer from Philippi, and they also have his family is there, too, and the demon-possessed chick, and who knows what kind of friends she brought with her, right? So you have this crazy, crazy group. That, that's getting together and they are worshiping God. But that's what makes the church beautiful. I remember, I remember in 1988, somebody brought me to a church and I'm like, black guy, white guy, yellow guy. I felt like the green Martian guy. <laughs> like I was so out of place. Old people, young people, rich people, poor people. And I'm th- I remember thinking to myself, because I'm a bit of a sociologist at heart, like there's no way these people have anything in common until they started singing. And then I knew what it was. And I came to realize that the work of the church is to bring individuals, not the same people, people who are just individuals who God has uniquely made to bring them to a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. As different as we might be, once those people have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ to help them become mature in their faith. That's why here we study the Bible verse by verse to help you become mature in the Christian faith, not immature what I think that you need to know and you need to do. So what happens after they raise up the church there? The apostle Paul leaves. He goes traveling more through the Roman Empire. What's he going to go do? He's going to go plant more churches. And so those people continue in the work of the church, just replicating what the apostle had taught them to found their church on prayer and preaching of the word of God, the love of people, and joyful service to God. So that happened 20 years after Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Now let's fast forward another 10 years, another 10 years. And maybe some of the people are not as excited as they used to be. Maybe they're getting a little worried about certain things, especially now that their leader is in prison. So they get worried whether he's in jail. They send him a gift. They want him to know that they're worried about him. And what does he do? He writes back this letter from jail because of why? He's worried about them. 
he's worried that all of the difficulties in life is starting to derail their faith. All of the busyness, all the trials and tribulations of life is beginning to wear on them, getting difficult. You know what I, I really hate to hear? I hate to hear when new people come to faith in Jesus Christ in our church and the old cranky, crusty, crotchety Christians say to them, it's not always going to be like this. Shame on us for ever saying that. May we all go down on our knees every day and beg God that it would always be that joyful first love that Jesus has been for so many of us. In fact, he explains his joy in these people in verse 5. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What's he saying? He's saying, I love the fact that some of you are about the good news of Jesus Christ, even though things are hard. I am so glad that for the last 10 years, you have hung in there when the future was uncertain. He's telling them, I'm thankful for you. I'm hopeful for you because you're joyful servants. If you're taking notes, we want to just jot down three quick things in this introduction. Number one is joyful servants of Christ. Verse one, Paul and Timothy, we covered them already, bond servants of Jesus Christ. So with this church, some could say it's his favorite. We did 1 Corinthians three years ago. That was his problem child. There was a depth of fellowship. There was a depth of love. There was a common goal with this church. And what was that common goal? They were in it together for the cause of Christ. And may I be so bold as to say that if we don't grasp what I just said, that there was a fellowship and a unity in the cause of Christ, if we don't understand that, no matter how many happy verses we know from the book of Philippians, we will miss the message. This is a letter to a group of people that he is trying to unify them in the goal of pressing on in the faith and, if you will, gathering others into the faith by telling them the truth, not about religion, but about God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the cause. There's a lot of great causes out there. A lot of great causes. And I think that sometimes we should be using some things that we have, the ability to meet with people and feed people and help people. But ultimately it is to feed them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in a usury way, but to tell them the good news. We see the apostles' love of Jesus and of them in the term bond servants. Our English Bibles clean up a lot of these words to make it more palatable to them, and I understand why with this, this word. It literally means a willing slave. So he says, Paul and Timothy, willing slaves of Jesus Christ. Willing slaves, we covered this in, in Mark's gospel, of one we really believe because the apostle Paul had seen him, is risen, and is alive. Now, in their culture, slavery was different than it is in our culture. It was more uh, kind of like being a, you know, a cooperative employment agreement and uh, definitely still near the bottom of the rung of the social ladder. And, and for some people, the only way to survive, nothing at all, nothing really in most cases, some exceptions, uh, similar to what went on in this country. 
It's one of the saddest things. Talk about a blotch on the history of our country. But it's not, all, it's not either the pride of some people saying, I'm no slave. I think if we said, I'm no slave to people, that the apostle might say to us, that's really a shame because I'm a slave. I'm a willing slave. You see, how important this word is when we get to chapter two because this word is actually gonna be used of Jesus himself. That he who was God became a slave to serve mankind. So for them, it was a, in the Christian church, and it should be for us, it's a, it's a term, a slave or a servant, it's a term of honor. It is someone who is chosen by God. It is someone who's being used by God. Yet so many people struggle with the idea of being a servant. You know, if you go to New York City and you have some waiter or some waitress, they'll say, well, thank you. Uh, you know, you might meet them, small talk for a minute, and they're like, well, I'm not really a waiter. I'm really an aspiring television actor. I'm not really a waitress, I'm a singer. I know a girl in the audience here who was not really a waitress, she was an artist waiting to marry a pastor, <laughs> right? Who didn't know he was a pastor, but at the time was a pagan when it comes down to it. But I think we struggle in this. We must remember that we who are Christians are called to serve others, but our master is Jesus. Do you see that? We serve people, but the people are not our masters. We serve people, and Jesus is our master. Why? Because people will always disappoint us. People will always let us down, but Jesus never will. And, you know, when we serve Jesus, the apostle would tell us that, that Christ's goals become our goals, that we hear the call of God and we want to answer the call of God even when it's inconvenient. You know, I love that about the younger generation today. There's a spirit of wanting to help people, even when it's inconvenient. I love that. I love the fact that they have seen my generation be so into stuff. And they're saying, okay, it's fine to have stuff, but at some point in time, we have to be generous to others. We have to help others. And I think that's a big reason why many of us don't enjoy our work, because we don't see ourselves as servants and our master is Jesus. I think that's the reason why a lot of us don't enjoy family and don't enjoy church. We find ourselves instead fighting with our master over the place where he's put us, over the job that he has given us to do, over the fact that he probably routinely says to us, you know, you're really not the servant that you think you are. You see, the world sees lowly service as being weak. But heaven would say, that is a privileged position from Jesus Christ. The world mocks servants. The world mocks humility. Yet in heaven, servants are celebrities. In heaven, servants are honored. So the Apostle Paul is going to lovingly challenge the church that he started to live out their commitment to Jesus Christ in the midst of the heartaches, in the midst of the challenges of life. And friends, this is the way the Lord works. It just is. Remember 10 years earlier, the apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke came into town. Oh, we're here. We're going to plant a church. It's going to be great. So what happens? They get beat up and they get arrested. What is the Lord doing? He's testing their commitment. 
And now these people have been going in the church here for 10 years. And what is the Lord doing with them? He's testing their commitment. What's happening to us and what's going to happen to us as a church? Listen, we got some systems in place. We could go on automatic pilot if we wanted to. So what does the Lord come and do? He tests us on our commitment. He sees if we're really what we think that we are. Gives us challenges. And if you're a follower of Christ, you can expect these challenges. Please don't think that you're immune to them. Please see them as the love of God. Please see them as God's hand on you, showing you that he will be faithful, he will be with you in the midst of those challenges. You see, after 10 years, probably you could say the Philippian church of learning the Bible for 10 years, they had grasped the gospel, but the challenge was, had the gospel grasped them? Will they continue in the work of the ministry, whether their leader is in jail, dead, or whatever? Will they continue to be joyful servants of Christ? Number two, joyful servants in Christ. Well, here's where I make some enemies. You ready? Okay, here we go. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Now, for most people, when they read this, their, their mind immediately goes to the word saints. They get thrown off. They're wondering what's up with that. But the key words here are not, is not the word saint. It's the word all, which speaks of unity, and it's the word in, in Christ Jesus, which speaks of a relationship with God. We're either in a relationship with God or we're not in a relationship with God. And the Bible is clear that we come into a relationship with God through faith in what Jesus Christ has done in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So, in the New Testament, and please, 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 don't take my word for this. Go home, read these things for yourself. But go and open up the Bible and look after the book of Acts. You have the letters to the churches and you'll see almost all of them begin with this address or this greeting to all of the saints. The word saints is a term for all Christians. Not the spiritual elite, but all Christians. The word means to be separate. It means to be holy. It is to be separated by God from the sin, selfishness, self-centeredness of this world to service to God. Now, there's a few people that were raised in what I would call legalistic separation. That you're so worried about the world that you're told that you have to completely isolate yourself from the world, and we know what happens when that kid goes to college, right? Oh boy, party time. So that's, that's what happens to people when we isolate them in an unhealthy, unbiblical way. But I think more so, most of us actually <laughs> have been grown in an environment, if you've been part of the church for any length of time, that has forgotten that we are a separate people. Almost to say that we want enough Jesus just to get me into heaven. Just, just give me enough so I can squeak in, sit in the last row with Elvis. You know, it'll be cool, and, and I'm fine, and, and don't get too close to my life, and, and don't make me too different. I don't want to be different. Now, listen, ladies, if you're here and you're single and you think, well, I want to meet Mr. Wright someday. Okay, well, good. We'll talk about that another time. But anyway, he needs to change when he gets married, right? Things are not the same anymore. 
So, so the same thing is true for a Christian. When we are in love with God, things change because our focus changed. And so we then become people who start to look like our Heavenly Father. We begin to act like Jesus. We begin to serve like Jesus. Nothing worse than hearing, you know, I know this guy who says he's a Christian and he blah, 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 blah. Terrible. That should not be said of us. In fact, if that is often said of us by many, many people, we have to ask ourselves if we are in fact a true Christian. To be a saint is to, true saint's separation is a desire to love and to be with and to be like Jesus and to obey God's word. And you see in the coming of Jesus and in so much of what you see in the apostles, there are people in this world that are waiting for that. There are people in this world that say, listen, I want to be part of something real. I don't want to be part of something dumb. I don't want to be part of some goofy church thing. I'd rather sleep late. Be honest with you, so would I, right, on a Sunday morning. I want to be part of something where people are really not plastic. They're being real, and they're trying to live for God. Now, to be a saint is to be in Christ. Now, can't go there whole nother sermon on this one, maybe three or four. But to be in Christ is one of the most important concepts in the entirety of the word of God. And I'm gonna do a very poor job of just saying it simply means this. It means to be in holy faith union with Jesus Christ. Holy faith union with Jesus Christ. It is at the core, the essence of being a Christian. It is someone who has heard the good news, someone who has responded in faith, and someone who has become born again. Now, a lot of people don't like that term. They equate it with being a Republican who owns a gun and watches Fox News, but that is not what it means to be born again. To be born again means that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through your response of faith to him, has brought your spirit alive. So your spirit is what is born again and you become part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, unless a man is born again, he was speaking to a man, a religious leader, he said, unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, do you know what that means? That means that unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't complicate it. It's simply, that's what it is. To get to heaven, Jesus says, someone must be born again. You are either in Christ or you're out. In Christ, heaven. Out of Christ, no heaven. And so this is what we have here. So to be a saint is not based upon what you have done. It is based upon what God has done to you. The Old Testament, it, the, I love the way it puts it like this that upon believing in Christ, what will happen is God will take your heart of stone towards God. You're like, I could care less about God. I know that lived the first 29 years of my life like this, right? I could care less about God. Takes out your heart, your stony heart towards God and gives you a heart transplant and gives you a soft heart towards God. For some of us, we might think of it this way. I remember when I was in my late 20s, and people would be like, so when are you going to settle down and get married? I <laughs> get married. What, are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. Get married. No way. Then I met Pam. 
Oh, right? And so now, right now, I have a soft heart towards getting married. My hard heart was replaced with a soft heart, and that is what happens when someone is born again. So it's not what you have done, it's rather what God has done to you via the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973 973- 659-3380 or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.